I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word and join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 22 together as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we remind ourselves through God's Word that this changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one around you in the seat back. I'd encourage you to grab that. If you don't own a copy, I would encourage you just to take that home as our gift to you this morning. As we gather every single week at North River Church, we open God's Word together. We ask the Lord to speak to us through His Word. And the promise we have is that God's Word, when it's proclaimed, will not return void. It will accomplish everything that He intends for it to accomplish in our lives. And so as we gather this morning... Our dependence is totally on Him to do in our lives what He desires to do. You know, as we look at this passage this morning, I was reminded this week that there are some things that I wish my kids could experience that I experienced as a child. There are some things that my parents would have said were character-building that I walked through as a child, things like riding in a road trip in a vehicle and having to figure out what to do with eight hours of your time. Kids today have no idea what that's like. They have devices, they have things to entertain them, not us. We didn't have that. Or character building exercise when you were ready to change the channel on the TV. You actually had to physically get up and walk to the TV and turn a knob on the TV. Kids today don't have to worry about that. Some of you who may be a few generations ahead of me remember walking uphill both ways in the snow to get to school. (laughs) Even in Florida, right? But there's one thing, not necessarily character building, but a moment of joy that I experienced as a child that my kids have not been able to experience. Do you remember as a kid going to the grocery store and walking down the cereal aisle and seeing advertisements on the cereal box of a toy that was inside the cereal. I mean, Frosted Flakes, Fruity Pebbles. I'm just living my childhood right now. Kids today have no idea. It's all cardboard in the cereal boxes now. Organic, you know. But I remembered my parents would actually buy that cereal. We would get home and I would grab a bowl and I would rip open the cereal box and I would dump the cereal out and there was the toy, my hope fulfilled. And I would grab it and I would run around the house and I'd go, it's It's real. Like they didn't lie about it. They didn't pretend as if it was going to be in there and then it wasn't in there. It was there. This morning as we gather together, we have that same privilege of looking at God's word together, of seeing 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ proclaimed and of grabbing a hold of that, each of us, and saying, it's real. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, and I want to read through verse 22 this morning, and then we'll walk back through it together. This is Paul's words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to the Corinthians. This is what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 
As we look at this passage of Scripture together this morning, I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, this main idea that will frame our time together. And we have declared this over and over, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It gives us hope. We live in a world today that is looking and longing to find hope. And I want you to know that the only place, the only person, true and lasting hope can be found is in Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. As we look this morning at the text, I want you to take note of what Paul is doing as he's writing to the Corinthians. They are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, but there is a problem that's going on within the church. In fact, there are a lot of problems that were going on within the church, and just so you know, I don't know of a church that doesn't have problems. You know why? Because there are people in church and people have problems, right? But here, what we see is that one of the issues that they had is that because of Greek philosophy, because of a lot of things going on, they were questioning not necessarily the resurrection of Jesus, but whether they would actually experience resurrection. Whether there was more than just this life, whether there was a life to come, and they were listening to the philosophers of their day, and they were questioning whether or not that was actually true. And so as Paul is writing, I want you to notice that in the first two verses, Paul is going to lay out for them, here is the message that we preach to you. Notice with me in verse 1, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. That word gospel simply means good news. It is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And at this point in time, Paul says to these believers here, I want to remind you of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I preach to you. I want you to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done. You may have come in this morning, and for you, this is the absolute message you need to hear this morning. You need to hear that there is good news today. That Jesus Christ can save you from your sin and bring you into the family of God. At this point in time, notice that he says here, this is the message that you received. You received this gospel message. Not only that, you stand in this gospel message. And not only that, it is this gospel message, the truth of what Jesus Christ that is transforming your life day in and day out. It is the hope of the gospel at work in your life. Notice in verse 3, what is this message? He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to lay his life down for us. What we celebrated on Good Friday, the reason that Good Friday is good is because it's the greatest display of love and mercy and grace the world has ever seen. 
that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, would step foot out of the glory of heaven and come to this earth among sinful men and women, would live a perfect and righteous life, the life that you and I cannot live, that he would go to the cross, that he would be executed there on the cross at the hands of the Roman government. But it wasn't just that. He took your sin and he took my sin upon himself and there he paid the debt that we owed. In fact, Paul says here that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Not only that, that he was buried. You say, why is it such an important thing to take note of the fact that he was buried? Why is that of first importance? Because it means that he truly died. That his death on the cross was a true physical death, but he did not stay dead. He was buried but he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Well, why is the resurrection so important? Have you ever gone to Costco? It's a great way to lose $200 in a hurry, isn't it? But if you ever notice, when you go to Costco, you fill up your cart, you go through the checkout line, and you pay for what you have purchased, and then you begin to make your way out of the store, and you run into someone at the door. And what did they say? I need to see your receipt. And they look at your receipt, and they find out whether what you have in your card as you're trying to leave was actually paid for. And then they mark your receipt, and they say, you can leave now. What we need to recognize and understand is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the receipt. It is the proof that what he did on the cross for us worked. It is the proof that he actually does as the Son of God have power over death, hell, and the grave. And at this point in time, Paul says, not only that, but then after his resurrection, after Jesus threw down the receipt of his sacrificial life and death on the cross, he began to appear to people. He says here in verse 5 to Cephas, then to the 12, and then he appeared in verse 6 to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, that was his brother, then to all the apostles. At this point in time, Paul is writing to this group of believers and saying, if you have questions about the validity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are people who saw the resurrected Jesus. This is not some fanciful event. This is history. It is fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. You don't believe it. Go and ask those who he appeared to after his resurrection. But notice that Paul begins to get personal. Beginning in verse 8. Last of all, to 
one untimely born, he also appeared to me. We see this recorded in Acts chapter 9, where Paul is met by Jesus on the Damascus road. He says in verse 9 here, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. He didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He didn't believe in the resurrection until he met Jesus face to face and everything changed. And he says here, by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I that was at work, but the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or they, we preached and you believed. Now he gets to the crux of his argument in verse 12. After he's laid out the gospel of Jesus Christ, how can we be saved from our sins? It is only by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. How do we know that Jesus' death on the cross actually pays for our sin? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the receipt that says paid in full. So then he says in verse 12, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, listen to what he says here, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Notice in verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. I want you to notice in verse 17 that Paul is going to make this very personal for the believers here to try and drive home the point of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How does it change their lives? How has it changed Paul's life? And ultimately, church, how does it change our lives? I want you to notice first and foremost that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for our past. Notice what he says beginning in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, then our faith is absolutely pointless, Paul says. And here's what this means. That means that our sins have not been paid for. And if our sins have not been paid for, then we still stand in judgment of God against us. So hear me this morning, church, for us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for our past because our sins have been forgiven if we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. He has paid the debt that we owed that we could not pay and his resurrection solidifies that his death 
accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish means our past has been forgiven. So many people look and wonder, can God forgive me for what I've done in the past? I'll never forget having a conversation. One of the guys at the church that I served as a student pastor, he was a warden of a state prison. And he invited me one day, he said, I want you to, I want you to come to prison. I was like, mm, I don't think so. He said, but I, w- I want you to come and I, I just want you to just see what I do. I said, okay. So I show up and we go through checkpoint after checkpoint after checkpoint. And he introduces me to some of the men who were there that had been convicted of serious crimes. And we just got to talking with them. And there was a young kid there. He was 18 at that point in time, had been in prison since he was 16 years old, armed robbery. There was a murder at the same, he was a getaway driver. And in conversation with him, I just simply asked him about where he stood with the Lord. And this was his comment. He said, I don't think he could forgive me for what I've done. If anyone would have understood that mindset, it would have been the Apostle Paul. If you remember back earlier in the text, he said that it was him at the forefront of persecuting Christians, of holding the stones as Christians were murdered, of seeking to imprison them and to kill them, to stamp out the name of Jesus. But I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for our past. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection makes it possible for our sins to be forgiven. If you've come in this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I want you to hear me today. There is no sin that you have committed in your past that God can't save you from. There's forgiveness offered to you. Not only that, but if you notice in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Not only does the resurrection of Jesus Christ give us hope for our past, but it gives us hope for our present as well. I want you to notice that the scriptures remind us that the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the power, if you're a follower of Jesus, that is at work in your life in this moment. That the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity who dwells within you is working and molding and shaping you to be who God has called you to be. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for our present right now. But also, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for our future. If all Jesus can do is save us from our past and give us hope for the present, then when we die, what happens? But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope for the future as well. He drives this home in verse 20 
through 22, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by a man came death, that is, Adam brought sin to all of us, by a man also the resurrection of the dead. In Jesus Christ, we have hope for our past, we have hope for our present. Hear me this morning. We have hope for the future. We know that this life is not all that we have. Randy Alcorn made this comment in his book on heaven. He said, for the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, this earth is the closest to heaven that they will ever get. And we know how bad things here on earth. But he said, for the follower of Jesus, for the person whose sins have been forgiven, who is a child of God, this earth is as close to hell as we'll ever experience. Why? Because we have confidence that there is more waiting for us as followers of Jesus. We have hope for the future when we will reign and rule with Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to ask you this morning, if you would bow your heads with me, and our worship team will make their way back up, and I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to God's Word and to His Spirit. You may have come in, and for you, you have never truly discovered for yourself the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. Today you come in wondering, can it get better? And I want you to know that there is hope today. The scripture reminds us that we are all sinners separated from God. But the good news that we've talked about this morning is that Jesus Christ came to this earth and laid his life down for you. He took your sin upon himself on the cross and he paid that debt. And he has the receipt of the resurrection to prove it accomplished exactly what it needed to accomplish for you. So that today, you can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, be saved from your sins, be brought into the family of God. If that's a step that you need to take, I want to encourage you in just a bit as we stand and sing. Our pastors will be down front. We'd love to talk with you. Love to share with you what it looks like to take that step. It's not a difficult step to take. It's a step that you can take right now where you're seated. Where between you and the Lord, you simply call out to Him. Admit that you're a sinner and in need of a Savior. And you believe Jesus Christ lived a perfect life took your sin upon himself on the cross, paid for them, died, was buried, but he rose again. 
and you trust in him as your savior and you confess that he is Lord you can do that where you're seated right now if that's a step that you take today we'd love nothing more than to rejoice with you take this opportunity to fill out a connection card before you leave and drop it off at the welcome table we'd love to follow up with you help you take that next step of growing in your walk with Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus already this morning as we sing in just a bit I want to encourage you to rest in what Jesus Christ has accomplished on your behalf today rest in his life death and resurrection celebrate on this Sunday that you have been taken from dead to alive. That you have hope for your past, hope for your present, and it only gets better from this point forward. Father, we ask right now that you would work in hearts and lives, that you would bring conviction, bring encouragement, that those who need to take the step of trusting Jesus would take that step today. That those who have already taken that step, would rest in what Christ has done for them today. Thank you for Jesus Christ who did what we could not do. We worship him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing and we'll be down front. Love to talk with you. Fill out a card. We'd love to follow up with you, but you respond as the Lord leads this morning.